Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Uh, we're going to talk today about Joseph, uh, an interesting guy in the Bible that, uh, not a lot in there about him, but for all the dads out there, uh, I thought it'd be a great uh, conversation to have. And if you're not a dad, something to think about, and if you're a uh, step-parent, step-father, it's something to think about. Um, if you have adopted children, it's something else to think about. This guy, he, he had a unique role that I think is uh, interesting to look at and to see what he did. But Joseph is not called the father of Jesus, interesting enough. Um, in Matthew, I don't have time to read all this. You can go back and read it. But um, when it comes to fatherhood, uh, most of us would say, like, hey, man, those are my kids. You know, I'm proud of my kids, you know, kind of thing. It's like, yeah, you know, those are mine, you know, kind of either my DNA, you see little components of you in them at times, and you're so proud of that kind of thing. Joseph couldn't say that about Jesus, you know. And a matter of fact, the writers about Joseph, it's interesting how very little the credit they gave him. Matthew doesn't give him a whole lot. Luke doesn't give him a whole lot. There's very little about Joseph in the Bible. But uh, when you read Matthew, you see all these baguettes. That just means they, you know, was the father of this person. This one's the father of that person. When he gets to Joseph... Funny thing is in Matthew, if you look at this, I'll, I'm going to read you a couple of things from Matthew today. But Matthew 1 around verse 16, you'll see all this lineage that goes all the way back to Abraham. Matthew gives you back to Abraham, Luke gives all the way back to Adam. But nonetheless, here, they're here, and in verse 16 it says, Jacob was the father of Joseph. Watch this. The husband of Mary. <laughs> like, he gets no lineage after that credit when it comes to like, Jesus. And obviously, if you're... If you're new to the faith or you're just searching about God and trying to understand some things, the reason why is because Mary was born, Jesus was born to Mary. She was a virgin. She was not, um, uh, at that time, married to Joseph. This was a supernatural birth. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Why is that so important? Especially in today's culture, you need to make sure you understand this and that you hear this, that um, uh, if Jesus was born of a natural birth, then he is sin just like you and I. And if you listen to these weirdos that are out there that talk about this stuff and try to claim these kind of things, you'll be duped into believing something that's not true, number one. Number two, if that is the case, then we are all doomed. If he's born of a natural birth, there's no reason for us to be here today. You might as well go play golf, go fishing, do, live your life like you want to, no, no regards whatsoever. Because if he's not born of the Virgin Mary without the sin of the seed of man, then he's no different than we are. And that's what separates Jesus from every other person you ever hear about in religion. Jesus is the only one, the only begotten of God. He's born without sin, the only one. Um, Adam was the first. He was you know, created by God without sin, but he transgressed, fell. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> that's your lineage right there. Doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. Doesn't matter what color skin tones you have. Doesn't matter. We all come back. We can trace our lineage. Every one of us back to Adam at some point. So thanks, Adam. You know, thank you so much. You can blame Eve all you want. Uh, Adam is the one that should have been doing what God said and watching over the garden. He's the one to let that snake in there. Blame Eve all you want. The reality is, in today's culture, let's just be honest, they make dads out to be the buffoons on TV, do they not? Every little Disney thing I watch, and I, I tell my kids, you know, the thing that drives me the most crazy about all these little sitcoms now is the dad is made out to be an idiot. Like he can barely tie his shoes. He don't know how to do anything. He's an idiot. On almost every sitcom, he has no sense whatsoever. The mom is like, oh, if it weren't for the mom, th that family would fall apart. Now, I'm not saying that's not true sometimes. <laughs> Let's just be honest. There's a lot of truth in that, right? But the fact is, dads aren't moms and moms aren't dads. There's a different strength in each, and a dad has some things that are within him that he should do that are different than moms. He's not going to probably always, you know, Come up and look at a little scrape on the leg and something and be like, you know, oh, let's just give a hug. That's My first thought is not a hug. My first thought is, does this require an ER visit? No. Okay, we're not going to die. Good. Okay, three, where's the Band-Aid? I get to a hug about the fourth thing on my list is a hug. Oh, oh okay, I'm sorry. It's going to be okay. I'm not processing emotion at that moment. I'm processing, are you going to live or die? Okay, you're going to live. It's going to be okay. Band-Aid, stop the bleeding. Get some ointment on it, whatever. Mom, man, Haley will hug that child. The child could be bleeding out. She will hug baby. It's going to be okay. I'm going like, listen, let's at least bandage the child because we can hug her later, you know? We're just different like that. 
And Joseph, how would you like to be the, not even the stepfather? You're just a guardian for a season of the Son of God. Can you imagine the weight and the responsibility of that? And then in the lineage book, you get put in there. You're not even considered a guardian of Jesus. You're not considered, you're just the, you are there as the husband of Mary. That's your, that's your thing in here where everyone else has been begotten by someone along the line. I think it's very interesting when you see that because it tells you that he had a responsibility, but his was not that of birth. His was not that of, he had other sons, but Jesus was not his son. He was under his care for a season, and that was it, just for a season. And so when we talk about that, we, let's think about some of the things that, that he did. Um, let me read this here from Luke three twenty three. I'll put this on the screen real quick for you, too. But it says, when Jesus began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age. Watch this. Being as was supposed the son of Joseph. Like people, Joseph never, you've got to understand the culture of this family. He is engaged to Mary and they are going to be married. And they start calling her unfaithful because she's with child. They say basically she's a cheater. And she's got a baby from somebody else. And Joseph is thinking about getting rid of this girl because, like, man, this is a lot of baggage. But the angel tells him, no, you're going to marry this woman and take care of Jesus. He commits to this. You kind of understand this guy, like, it takes some guts to do that. Everybody's making fun of you, making fun of her. You don't know how this is going to land. This is a small town. It affects your job, your career, everything. And he does it anyway. He steps up to the plate anyway because there's something within him that I think the Lord saw that he would be a great guardian for the season of Jesus. So I want to talk to you a couple of things about dads, briefly about, and using Joseph as one of the characters, and as we're in this series entitled, you know, The Gospel Effect, how did the gospel affect Joseph? And uh, I read about Joseph, I think he's a very inspirational person to me in the Bible. So let's look at uh, one of the first things I, I see from, from Joseph, and I think that all of us need as dads, is number one, we provide protection. Fathers, and I'm going to say some things today that probably go against the culture. I really don't care. And if it makes you angry, I'm sorry, but you probably need to hear it. Because I, I have, it's just, it, you're going to swim up current, I'm going to tell you, for a bit. Until people get, t- you're going to be swimming up current if you're going to follow the Lord. Being a dad is not a weak thing. Being a dad is not a mom. Moms, I love you, but being a dad is not a mama. We're not wired like you, and that is Okay. It's all right. We're not wired like you. And there's nothing wrong being a mom either. Moms are wonderful. Thank God we're different. Could you imagine if we were both the same? If both of us had just, we only nurtured. Like both of us. Like that's all we ever did. And that's where this whole idea today is like, you know, you give attaboys to all these little kiddos. No matter what they do wrong. Well, that's okay. Oh, you know. You cut the tires with a knife. Oh, that's okay. At least you know how to use a knife. That's wonderful. No, that's stupid. You discipline the child. Well, he's just going through a phase. No, he's called rebellion. Deal with it. Well, but I don't want to break his spirit. Well, he needs to have a broken spirit a little bit. Because how will you ever repent unless you know it's wrong? You can't give them all this like, it's going to be okay. Love you. You're just so sweet. Just what? No, every now and then you need to have a kick in the pants. Not literally, but you need some discipline. Do we not all need discipline at times? Then why in the world would we think a child does not? The scriptures say that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But you know what drives it out? Just love them till they start acting better. Pet them till they feel good about themselves. Give them gold stars every day. No, it says a rod of discipline. That's called a spanking. Pop, pop, pop. Ain't popular. Ain't popular, I know it. Well, I wouldn't dare say that. It's such a bunch of weak culture we have today. I got my, and I had to learn this. Look, I got spankings growing up from all of my family members. All of them got chances, you know? I remember my first, my grandfather gave me a spanking. I, I took some, um, some coins from his little safe at the store. And so he found out about, so he had me go get him a, a little hickory. We called them hickories. I don't know what y'all call them. Switches, hickory, whatever. So I thought, I go get it? Oh, no problem. I went to the thing, picked out the least, you know, like the weak one, like it's the dead looking thing. I thought, oh, this won't hurt bad. He goes, he says, no, go back and get another one. I mean, he sent me back numerous times till I had the one that like, it's the kind that where, you know, you did the dance with him. You know, you just, 
Until, I mean, there was no three swats. There was no mercy. Let's just say, that was the end of my coin theft days, okay? I was done with that. Everybody got a chance, though. My uncle got a chance. My grandmama got a chance. My mama got a chance. The principal, the vice principal, everybody got a chance, okay? And look, I'm still just fine. Because God created this spot. I'm, I'm going to move on from this, but just so we're all clear. If you're watching online, maybe you never hear this. No one ever told you this. But God gave you this glutus maximus here, this buttocks. It's for not just sitting. There's a fatty part right there. It's meant perfectly for discipline. It's okay. Now, you don't beat the kid. You don't abuse the kid. But a spanking is not going to kill him. The scriptures say it, they'll think they're going to die. But they won't die. Proverbs. It's all throughout. Every one of my kids have gotten spankings. Now, the oldest one thinks that the littlest one is getting off scot-free. I said, no, that's not the problem. You just required more communication with the board of learning than the smaller one did. Apparently, she saw by watching going like, I don't want any of that. I don't know. But each kid's different. I was different growing up. Everybody's different. A kid's personality is different. You can't parent every kid the exact same. Man, my, I was super strong-willed. My oldest is strong-willed. My, the littlest one, if you just dare communicate her name with the least tone above normal conversation, she will just well up in tears. It just, she can't, she's just so sensitive like that. You wouldn't think it by watching her. She's just wide open, but like, she is very tender. Even like, man, she's tough as nails, man. Like, so every kid's different. But my thing is like, it's okay to discipline your kids. But can you imagine, though, if you were Joseph? Now, Jesus was born without sin. Aren't you glad if you're Joseph? How would, what would you do? He had a unique role. He didn't have to discipline because Jesus was born without sin. Jesus never rebelled against his parents. He didn't do anything wrong. He was without sin. Now, don't you wish you had one of those kids? Sorry, yours is born into sin. They got that from you. You could thank yourself for that. But we are called to protect our kids. And so let me read this to you from Matthew 2, for th- uh, verse 13. I want to skim over some things, but I'm going to um, give you some ideas about this, this idea of protection. And why does discipline, even, why is that even a part of this? Well, it says this about Matthew 2, verse 13. When they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you to. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. You've read about Herod and the destruction of all the babies under two years of age in Jerusalem. It was, it was terrible. Terrible. Now listen, guys. If you need something to help you prove the existence and reality of Christ Jesus, just go look at the history books. This really happened. Now, why would Herod do something like that? Well, he's a crazy man. I understand. Okay. But he did this because he was afraid of this Messiah that was born that he had heard about. He was in complete fear. So Joseph gets up, he takes the child and his mother, while still not, he leaves for Egypt, and he remains there until the death of Herod. And this was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, out of Egypt I've called my son. Then, when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years of old and under, according to the time which had been determined from the Magi. Let me just say, as a dad, you can't always, in being a father, you're not always going to explain to your kid why you do what you do. Sometimes, honey, I just don't want you going there. It's going to have to be enough. But you're going to have to have a backbone like a crowbar, not one of these things like a little wiggly worm, you know what I mean? Like give in to what the pressures of the world tells you. Well, you know, we heard it like this. Everybody else is doing it. And what we heard was, well, if everybody else goes and jumps off of a cliff, are you going to do it too? I don't know if we've lost that vocabulary today or what we're telling kids. But I got officers telling me these little 14-year-old boys, they got no fear whatsoever. It, gang members are afraid of a 14-year-old. Why? Because they've been told all their life, well, you're okay. I mean, you didn't have a daddy. God bless you. Let's just, that, that ain't going to help him. How's he going to ever get through anything like that? Real world will kick you in the teeth. So you have to protect your kids. Well, how do you do that? When I was probably like 16, I first got to drive. My uncle let me drive some of his cars. and <laughs> I'll tell the stories later, but he first let me drive his little truck. I mean, that thing was so, like, it was great. But it, I, I was so grateful to drive it. That thing would squeak on anything. You turn it, it would go. If you went down the road, if you pull in the parking lot, it's like. 
it was so crazy. Great truck. I drove that thing forever. I was so grateful to drive it. But I got my, you know, one night to be able to go down to town and, and he's going to let me drive his, one of his other little cars, like this little Toyota. I thought, man, this is slick now, you know. I mean, it didn't squeak. It was slick, you know. He said, where are you going? I said, oh, man, I'm just going to, you know, just go to town, just get some burgers or something. I don't remember what I told him. I remember riding around, whatever. Well, now, this is good daddy stuff here, okay? Give you some, if you've never done this before, it's called checking up on your kids. Well, I just trust my kids. Well, you're an idiot. I told you, I'm going to say something this morning that's probably going to offend. If it, I hope to offend everybody at least one point in my message today. That's my goal. Because it's crazy stuff to hear me. Well, my kids are just, they're, they're going to be just fine. Yes, honey, they will be. But what is this idea that says, I could just, my kids, they don't do, I, they're good. I'm sorry. They're not as good as you think they are. I love my children. But I did some really stupid stuff when I was a kid. And I think God had people tell me a lot, hey, you're wrong. That's going to hurt you. Don't do it anymore. Okay. But I remember driving down, go to town, pull up in this parking lot, hear some guys hanging out. I'm thinking I'm cool. What's up? You know, best I could do a little Toyota radio cranking. You <laughs> know, trying to be cool. And all of a sudden I look up, here's my uncle. Hey, what are you doing here? He's like, hey, man. And he don't just roll up. He rolls up with everybody, the whole family. He just rolls up with everybody. I'm like, God, this is so embarrassing. Like, why, why are you here? I'm going to just come to see what you was doing. Well, nothing. I mean, I, and I really want to see, in my defense, I really wasn't doing anything wrong. It had nothing. I really wasn't. But what I didn't know was as he was coming through the parking lot, what he saw was somebody over three or four cars over with a gun. Now, see, sometimes you can't explain all this stuff to kids. Why they shouldn't be somewhere, why it's not a good idea for them to be alone there, or why that group of friends probably isn't the best for them. You just got to be strong sometimes and say, no. Because your job as a daddy is to protect. And sometimes that means saying no when it's not popular. Because kids don't always understand this. I never even saw the gun. He did. You know why? Because daddies don't look to see if you're having fun. They're looking to see who's around you. Man, hanging out with some of these officers enough, I'll tell you one thing. They don't go in just to eat barbecue. They don't just sit down to eat like we do. They sit down and eat, and most of the time they sit where they can do this. While they're eating french fries or something. They just can't, they can't sit because they're watching the whole time. Because they know what's out there. We don't. Kids don't always understand that. And you have, to, you have to watch out for them. This is very interesting about Joseph. Even after Herod dies, Joseph takes the initiative to do something kind of unique. It says in Matthew uh, 2, verse 19. Watch this. When Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph and said, Get up, take the child and his mom, and go into the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life, they're dead. So Joseph gets up, he takes the child and his mom, goes into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, so this is Herod's son, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee. And he came and lived in a city called Nazareth. Now, he was not told to go live in Nazareth. That was his choice. But I find it very interesting. When you read about this, it says this is what was fulfilled by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Nazareth was not the coolest town to live in. It just wasn't. It wasn't a great um, abundance of Jewish culture there. There were some. But a lot of the Assyrians where they took over the northern kingdom, there was a lot of some of the Syrian culture there. And he took him there. Think about the genius of this as a dad. I'm going to pull him out from this over. I'm not going to let him get in that because... It's not a good area for him. I'm going to put him over here, and no one even thought to look for him in Nazareth. Genius. Now, you could say, well, it, was that necessary? Well, obviously it was, because the interesting thing about this that is so cool, you remember Nathaniel Bartholomew, he said this about uh, Nazareth, John 1.46, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Joseph took him to a place where no one even thought to look for the Messiah, because they thought, there's nothing good coming out of Nazareth. He didn't take him back to Bethlehem, didn't take him to Jerusalem. He took him to a place where, you know what, he's going to be all right. And I'm just telling you, sometimes your kid's not going to understand why, but sometimes you got to just keep looking out.
until they're older. Kids aren't, they're not wired to make decisions as adults. No matter what they put on, to- on the TV shows. Don't you love it? I love it how these little TV shows today, they show where the kids are like parenting the parents. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen it, right? These little kids, like, they're only 10, but they're parenting the parents. Like they're the star of the show and they're, the, they're like the mature one of the bunch. That's not reality. It's not reality at all. So it was a genius move by Joseph. He kept Jesus safe as he grew and even the leaders in the community, they did not look for Jesus there. Now, I think this is funny about Joseph when you read this story here. I'm going to skip down, to, but this is where in Luke 2, they go to the temple every year. They go for different reasons, but for this particular reason they're there. They're for the Feast of the Passover. And as they're there for a while, they're there with a large group of people from town. And it says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 45, they couldn't find Jesus. Now, remember, he's only a guardian. You're the guardian of the Son of God, and you have lost. Now, don't look at me like, you know, it's never happened to you before. There's been a few times where all of us as parents have had a moment where our heart dropped and we lost one of them. Won't say like it's just always, but, I mean, you know, we have all done it. I've done it where I've turned around. I give my kids a little more rope sometimes in the store. I'm kind of watching like this. I'm still watching all the time. And you look around one, you go, like, now where'd that rascal go? And then you look, and before long you're going like, no, wait a minute. Now, hold on. Before long, you know, you're, you're doing the aisle thing, like you're constantly because which one are they behind? And you don't dare go down one, because if you go down the aisle, you know, they might come around this way. Now you're in a, this, it, well, Haley, one time she was doing this at the, this happened with our oldest at Food Line. And so, you know, she turns to the, she goes all mama bear real quick. And she can't find her. You know, she turned around the corner of one of those aisles, you know. So Haley, she doesn't look for her down the aisles. She does something Totally different. She goes to the main entrance and just stands there like this. Tells the people, it says, nobody's leaving until I get my baby. This is at the grocery store. The kid is just, you know, she's looking at cereal or something. I don't know what she was doing. She wouldn't let anybody out the door until the kid comes over, you know. And there she comes walking around. But why? Man, losing a kid feels really, oh. But Joseph lost him. And it says this, as he lost him. It says, they went back into the temple, and they found him after three days. Y'all, listen. After three days, you know what would have happened? The police department would be at your house, interviewing you. It would be on social media. It would have been awful after three days. They find this young man, our Lord. Now, what would you, what would you do? He's the son of God, but you know you're like, boy, like, I know, see. <laughs> Don't you think he might have taken it out on one of his other brothers? Like, you know, kind of thing. It's your fault. You know what? It's your, you're supposed to have been watching them or whatever, right? I don't know. But anyway, it says this, that they say to Jesus, verse 48, when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son. Only a mama could talk to Jesus like this. Joseph didn't do it. Joseph is thinking it, but he never said it. But mama did not care. She says, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement. And Jesus, says, went back with them to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. That means he listened and obeyed his parents. Joseph didn't say this, but mom said, your daddy and I have been looking for you everywhere. What's the matter with you? And he said, don't you know I had to be in my father's house? I say that because Joseph didn't respond in the way that, you had to bite your teeth. Man, I've been looking for you. Now, I don't know, I can't prove this out, but most of the theologians, when you say this, most believe that Joseph, he didn't make it to Jesus' crucifixion, that he died before then. And it's pretty obvious because when you read different uh, things about Jesus in different contexts about Mary, he's not really present in any of the conversations going forward. Most people agree he probably died much sooner than the crucifix. I wonder, (laughs) I can't say this for sure, I wonder if the stress of being the guardian of Jesus, just got to the brother. Like, you know, I lost him. I don't know what else is going to happen. 
But like Red Fox would say, it's the big one, Lord. <laughs> Just take me home. I can't, I can't imagine the stress of that. Regular kids are enough. Jesus, the son of God, I mean, but Joseph never complained. He watched out for him. He protected him. He kept him safe. Second thing he did for Jesus. Now, you might think, is this necessary? But it was. Second thing he did, he made provision for Jesus. Um, he provided for his family, but he also provided instructions to Jesus. And Joseph, he was a carpenter. You've heard this before, that Jesus was a carpenter. Well, so was Joseph. Joseph was a carpenter. We see this from Matthew 13. They asked this question, is this not Jesus, the son of the carpenter, the carpenter's son? The interesting thing about a carpenter, though, is a, the word carpenter it is, I'll put it on the screen for you, you can look at this. It refers to woodworking, but it also could be any form of artisan, builder. It could be a craftsman, stonemason, even an engraver. He worked with his hands. He was a builder. Now, you think about how well that worked for Jesus when he says, go and make disciples. You can't start with a roof. You've got to start with a foundation. Where do you think Jesus took up all these building terms from? From his guardian, Joseph. Taught him how to build stuff. Taught him how to construct things. And he taught him how to have a trade and how similar that is for making disciples. Possibly also even, I think, because I think Joseph died earlier. That trade was given to Jesus. Jesus probably made provision for his mom for a season. You say, well, how can you say that? Well, when you, when you look at this and you think about what his conversation was to John, when John, when Jesus was on the cross, when he was on the cruci- being crucified, he looks down at his Mary and says, you know, behold, this is your son. Talking about John. Behold, John, your mother. If Joseph had been alive, he would not have said that. It doesn't make sense. But possibly he's saying, listen, I need you to care for my mom because I'm, I'm leaving, but I need you to care for her. There was this idea of the provision that he used this. He was taught this by Joseph, and then he provided for his own mom. You know, it's important that we teach our children the reality of how life works. It's not just good enough to teach them Bible stories. I love the Bible, and I thank God for the Bible. We, we, we'll do that. We'll help you with that. But if they only know that David had five smooth stones in his pouch and that's, what, that's all they get, that's not going to help them in life. Why did, jo- why did David pick up five smooth stones? Well, because it was the number of five, it's grace. Okay, well, you could say that all day long. Maybe David looked and thought, you know, if I missed the first one, I got four more. It's a good principle to teach your kids. Hey, you know what uh, we call don't put all your eggs in one basket. Consider what you have. Make provision Always have a little extra. Don't use up everything you have. Keep some extra. Why? Because the refrigerator might break. Hello? Right? Have a little extra. Right? In the house of the wise, there is choice oil, and you keep extra. Right? And they're not doomsday preppers, but I'm saying you, you do. Because why? Cars break down. Roofs leak. Stuff breaks. So what do you do? You have a little stuff backed up. And when your kids say, yeah, but don't we have all this money? Yeah, but that's for if. For if what? For if something doesn't work out right. You know? Mine had a great lesson this week, she, or last week. The oldest one, she wants a car. She's talking about a car and all this stuff, my driving, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. You know, she's kind of, reality has sink in a little bit. She started out wanting an Audi. Yes. I don't know where she gets that from, <laughs> but uh, she wanted an Audi. So... I said, tell you what, uh, that's not going to happen unless you get a bigger job. And uh, I'm not buying an Audi for you at all because I know what happens when you're a teenager. I, know I was a teenager. I know how I drove when I was a teenager. Sorry to my uncle and his cars, but I know how I drove my cars too. I'm not buying an Audi, a brand new Audi for my daughter. Uh, if I buy a brand new Audi, well, give it to Haley, I guess, but then I get to drive it too, you know. But, but we taught, I said, tell you what, let's find out how much insurance costs for you to drive. Yo, man, like, has anybody else got 16-year-olds in here besides me? One, anybody else? Raise your hand, because you need prayer. Raise your hand. Like, it's... <laughs> I don't know what happened in Georgia. I don't know. I need to write a letter to the congressmen and women. Like, this is out of control. 4000 dollars. The kid has not had a wreck or a speeding ticket. Four. I said, what? Why? I mean, if it was a boy, I could understand it because I know how I drove as a boy. But girls tend to be a little more, they seem like they're more responsible. Maybe I'm wrong. No? Is that not true? 
Oh, I thought they were, but I just told her, I said, you know what? That ain't happening, Jack. I'm not. That fourth out, I could put you on a cruise five times. Like, what? That's, that's crazy. But so the reality is, I said, look, that's, you know, I can provide for you, but I'm not providing that. Anyway, so we talked through those kind of things. The point I'm sharing with that is provision is important. Teach our kids, dads. Provision is important. Trust the Lord, but also provide for your family, but show them why. Show them how to break provisions. Like, you know, a good man of his good heart leaves an inheritance to his children's children. A fool spends all that he has. Teach your children about how to have some extra. It's okay. I mean, I got money stuck everywhere, you know? I got it on password books and stuff for Haley. Something would happen to me. I got money sitting everywhere. Like, really? Yes. I got money for something that come in. as like a little extra thing. I don't spend I just put it to the side somewhere. Because, you know what? Why spend it all? It's just not necessary. Anyway, teach your kids this, all right? The last thing I'll say is we'll wrap it up. Man, help them find and follow the passion that, that God has for their life. So let me just, uh, <clears throat> as I said, if I didn't offend you before, I might with this, but uh, hopefully it won't be too bad. But as a dad, you know, I can't give my kids the things that they are passionate about. I can't, just because they're passionate about something, I can't make that happen for them. They're going to have to follow God for themselves as well. And let me just say this. As parents, can we stop trying to live through our kids? Like, if Junior is only four feet five, he's probably not playing basketball in the NBA. Can we just be real? Why? 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 He can't catch a fly ball for nothing, and you keep trying and trying and trying and saying he's the best thing. He's not the best thing. Just be real. Don't hurt him, but just be honest, son. Maybe you're not the best at catching fly balls. But maybe there's something else. You like baseball? Let's figure it out. You know? You like to construct stuff? That's great. But you shot yourself five times with a nail gun. Let's start out small. Let's figure it out. You know, let's work on it. Give them chances to fail. Give them chances to succeed. But look, there's no reason in trying to put your kid through something they aren't wired for. If they're not gifted in it or wired in it by God, you're going against something that's not going to work, and they're going to be devastated. I have, listen, I've been doing this for a while, and I can't tell you how many times this comes back on people. Now, I'm not perfect at it. Look, I, my oldest is 17, so you may not want to take any advice from me. That's fine. But I've learned this one thing. They're each different. They're not the same. And you can't make them into something that they are not. It's not going to happen. If they're, I, no matter how much you wanted, man, I love driving a race car. It's so fun. But no matter how much I would love to be a race car driver, I can't make my kids something that I wanted to be when I was a kid. They, my kids have no desire to drive. Well, maybe the oldest one. She might, she might like to drive one. But so far, no one lining up and say, hey, can you take me and go get go-karts? No one. So why try and do that? What I can do, though, I can help them and guide them along the way. And I may not even have the same passion for them. Each one of my kids is a little bit different. I don't know how your kids do, but you know their passions, right? You see things that they like. My oldest one, she's into books. Like, when I'd say she's into books, her goal was reading 60 books before uh, the end of this month, she, or before July. She's on 44. Like, when I say books, y'all, I ain't talking about, like, you know, my first golden book. She, she reads stuff like this. Crazy reader. Like, I read, but she reads, like, she wanted me to read some books that she was reading one time. And I tried really, really hard. And I said, honey, I can't figure this out. Like, metaphorically, the dude's a dragon, but he's not. Like, he's, he's what is this guy? He, he's, it represents the Bible. How and what? It was this great story, but I couldn't figure it out, and I was lost. I'm a concrete thinker. I just, that stuff, I just get lost in it. I can't get past table of contents. Like, what? She's all into that stuff. So what do I do? I try to figure it out. She's into books and stuff, so I try to learn about that stuff with her. You know? Helped her, you know, we get her a bookshelf and things like that. Anyway, you figure out what it is they're passionate about. Try to help them along the way. I can come alongside and help them, but I can't, I can't give them every dream or desire or want they have in life. I think it's a fallacy to tell kids, you can be anything you want to be. You can follow your dreams. 
and have anything you want. I think that's a, I think it's a not a good thing to say. Because they're, what they're seeing right now that are dreams are a bunch of stuff on TikTok. That's a lot of stuff they're hearing. Oh, look, I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. Eh. I, I don't know. I think a jury's still out on a lot of this stuff, don't you think? I mean, you don't even know these people. They're online saying all this stuff. You don't even know them. And so much stock is put in these people that are on there, and you don't know them. And I'm saying as a dad, my role is not to give them every dream or desire. I can try and help them, but my job is not, I'm not God. They're going to have to work hard for things. I'm not their genie in a bottle, you know what I'm saying? Is everybody good? Y'all with me, right? I mean, it, the American dream is great, but I'm just going to be real honest with you. It would be better, I think, if we tell our kids, you know what, you can do anything God called you to do. You, you know, you can follow any dream that God gives you. Yes, you can. But if it's just me, I can tell you what Jody wants sometimes, and it's selfish. So if I'm that way, how many know kids are that way too? As a dad, we're supposed to help them find their passion, but I can't be their, their dream maker. All right? My job as a dad is this Proverbs 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way that they should go, and even when they're old, they won't depart from it. To teach my kids, to train them, to develop them. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Not just to fulfill their dreams, to help them find their passion, yes, but to give them the discipline and instruction that they need. And I'm sure that Joseph taught Jesus a lot of other things that he never saw the crucifixion coming. I don't think. I bet he never thought that was how this was all going to work out. I bet he never understood fully what Jesus was going to do. But what did he do? He taught Jesus certain things. Son, this is how you make a table. Now, when you're sanding this thing, you've got to go with the grain, not against it. Well, it don't really matter. Let them follow the way they want to. Well, it does matter because you do the job right. You don't do it just any way you want to do it. This is the way it works. And watch this. You sand with the grain. It's important. Why is it important, Dad? Because if you go across this way, it's, it's going to feather out the wood. It's not going to look right. These people are buying this table. It's important. Do it right. Run it with the grain. Now, the scriptures say Jesus grew in statue and wisdom. That means... He had to learn just like we do. He was without sin, but he had to learn. He learned from Joseph how to do things right. Now, maybe when he got older, I don't know if he had some help from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> maybe he started knocking out chairs when Joseph wasn't looking. Man, Jesus, how'd you build them so quick, man? You know, I just kind of gifted. Like, bing. It's like, you know, anyway, I don't know. I doubt he did that. But anyway, nonetheless, I think this is, uh, the case with Jesus and, and, and Joseph. I think that Joseph did right by training Jesus, by giving him a trade, and directing his steps. I, I, I think the greatest example we can be with our kids is this, not trying to live through them, but give them an example. And listen, as dads, can we just all agree, all the fathers look at me right now, you're not perfect, and that's okay. There's not one of us in this room right here today that's done it right, 100% of the time. We've all made mistakes. We've fallen short. Wished we could have, should have, would have done it, but we didn't. All we can do is take today and say, you know what? I'm going to work better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to try to be the best I can be. And God helped me do it. Amen. But you can't live in what I wish I could have, should have, would have done. That is not going to help you. You're going to walk out of here today going like, man, man, I can't be. None of us can be. We're We're... We're doing the best we can with what we got. Some of you got great instruction as a kid growing up, and you had a great dad as a role model. Some of you didn't. You know what? I've apologized to my kids more times than I care to count. <laughs> because you know what? We just don't always get it right, and that's okay. The best thing to do is take today, though, and start. So you know what? God, help me. Help me to be the best dad I can be. So they need protection while they're young. It's not going to hurt them or you. Check in on them. Maybe you grew up without that. You think, well, that's not necessary. Can I just help you with your false thinking there? They need to be checked up on. I love you, but the scriptures are very clear. I tell my kids all this time, why we don't leave you alone? 
Bible says a child left to themselves will bring their mother shame. Right? I mean, how many of you ever did stuff with a toaster when you were a kid? When no one's around, you thought it would be cool. Just to see. What would happen? I've heard of stories. <laughs> I would neither confirm nor deny if I ever tried such things. You just Kids don't need to be alone by themselves for great lengths of time. Nothing wrong for a short period of time, but they need supervision. <clears throat> and your goal is not to be a cool parent. You're not getting a trophy for that. Stop trying to be them. You're not going to be them. Be the mom. Be the dad. But mostly dads today, be the dad. And they need their provision in life. Provide, can I say it's more than just video games and meals? It's important. Give them something that you can pass down. Like give them something you can pass down. I, we was having dinner with some friends last night, and this one, he told me, he said, um, something his dad told him. I thought, this is so cool. This is something his dad taught him. It just stuck with him. He, he has never forgotten it. He'd always ask his dad, where are we going, dad? Where are we going? You know, because as a kid, like, tell us where are we going, where are we going? Dad finally said, hey, man, just calm down. Just enjoy the ride. He said, oh, I never forgot that. Just enjoy the ride. Give them something to pass down. Give them something that they know that came from you, not just stuff. And then they need passion. Help them find their God-given passions in life. And, again, it's not how many likes they get. It's not how many followers they have on TikTok or whatever else they do. Give them something they can sink their teeth into that's from God. Help them find that. Don't worry about all the other stuff. God will help them with all those things. But more than anything, as a dad, can I just encourage this morning? We're, we're not God. We're earthly fathers, and we make mistakes. So I don't know how many of you in here today that you made mistakes, and you think, man, I wish I could have done something different. But I want to pray for you this morning. And I'm going to ask you to be brave and to be bold and just to say, you know what, as a dad, I'm going to take this day, and I'm going to put anything in the past aside, And I'm going to move forward and be the best dad that I can be. God, help me in that. But I'm going to let go of this and move forward with God in that. So right now, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment. And I'm going to say something. Maybe you're not Joseph. Joseph was a very inspirational person to me. But Joseph had a huge responsibility, one that was greater than anything you and I will ever experience as a dad. All God's asking us to do, dads, is to watch over our kids Give them the protection that they need. Give them the provision that they need. Help them find the passion that God's called them to and and to begin walking in that. We're not dream makers. You know, we're not uh, genies in a bottle for them. It's not, that's not going to be the thing that they remember. What they really will remember is what we poured into them, the impact that we had, and and the things in life that we, we were able to give to them and pass down. So right where you are, I'm going to pray for you. Just close your eyes by your heads. Lord, I just thank you for every dad that's here right now. God, I pray for them. I pray for them, Lord, that maybe there's someone here, God, they feel like, man, I just do not have what it takes. I'm just, I don't even know where to start. Didn't have example in my life. Don't know even how to be a dad. Lord, I'm praying in Jesus' name. You are our heavenly father. So first and foremost, God, I ask you to visit them and be their heavenly father. You declare this in your word, but Lord, I'm praying right now for every man that's in here that's a father or about to be a father or has been a father for many years, but feels like they can't be what it is their kids need. Lord, I'm just praying against that, that spirit that says you're not, you don't belong, you're not a son. In Jesus' name, we just pray against that. Lord, I ask you to deliver them of that. And I ask you, Father, to remind them that they are a son of God. That they belong to you. That you are their heavenly father. That they have you and you alone, number one. And that you can be a father to them. I thank you, Lord, for your word that gives us instruction on how to be dads to watch over our kids, to give them what they need, to, to help them, to, to, to direct them in all their ways. I just thank you, Father, that you give us those things from your Holy Spirit. I pray right now in Jesus' name for regrets that might be present. In Jesus' name that you would break those things off. God, that you would free every man in this room 
from the, the things in which they grew up with or without so that they can be who you've called them to be. And I just pray right now, Lord, against the pressure that seems to be present today. So much pressure that does not come from you. Pressure, anxiety, and worry, and all these different, they are not from the Lord. He gives peace and joy, and his presence is joyful. He gives wisdom. He does not give anxiety and fear and worry. And so in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord, that you would remove any fear about what might happen to somebody's kids or where they're going to be or whatever they might turn into or turn not into. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would take that off of every man that's in this room. God, that you would fill them with the strength of a Joshua that says, be strong and courageous in the Lord. For you are well able to take the land. You are well able to do what God's called you to do. I pray that you would fill their hearts with strength and courage this morning in Jesus' name. To be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, not in the fear and the cause of this culture. God, I thank you for that right now, Lord. That a courageous spirit would just well up on the inside of them. And to today, in Jesus' name, no matter what they've had up to this point, today, they'd be filled with courage, Lord. And strength from on high. And God, I just pray right now, if there's anybody in here, especially if there's any men in here or watching online, but anybody that may not know you, I pray right now, as we pray, I pray that they would come to know you today. So with your eyes closed, no one's looking around. I want to pray for you and lead you to the Lord. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, we want to pray for you right now. The whole church will pray for you, but we want to take a moment to lead you in this prayer. The scriptures say, if a man believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth, that Jesus is Lord, he shall be saved. That you believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus, that he was resurrected from the dead. You confess that out loud with your mouth. Scriptures guarantee this, that he will save you. So right where we are today, the whole church is going to pray, but that's you. You're watching online, you're in this room. Pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I surrender my life. I make you, Jesus, the Lord of my life. And I confess you as my Savior. Now for all the dads, pray this with me right now. Say, Dear Lord, I ask you to help me be the dad you've called me to be. I ask you, Lord, to give me strength and courage. God, help me to live in strength and in courage. To be strong in you, Lord, and in the power of your might. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you, church, right? Now, before we go today, listen, I want you to stand to your feet. Can I just encourage you one thing before you go? If you're not a dad in here, uh, if this was Mother's Day, I would say some things different, but I'm, I'm just talking to dads today, all right? Can I just encourage everybody in this room, if you're not a dad, uh, There is great pressure today on being either a mom or a dad, but we're speaking just to dads today specifically. Great pressure. When they leave here today, they will have pressure on them about something that's going on. And much like Joseph that carried the weight to carry and watch over the Son of God, it's not that great, but it's enough. You're fighting against what the culture says. You're fighting against what the media says. You're fighting against what the, the, the friends are saying. You're, and it's like a whirlwind. And moms, you know the same thing. It's the same. But right now I'm just talking to dads. Sometimes men walk around like we are, you know, the Patriot Mel Gibson movie or something like that. Like we are just so strong. And we are. Don't get that wrong. We, we can handle some stuff. But every now and then, there's nothing like having somebody say, you know what? You're a good daddy. You want to do something for a man or a dad in here this morning? A card is fine. That ain't the best thing that he could be. The best thing you could do is somebody just look at a dad this morning before they leave here today and say, you're a good dad. You're a good daddy. And don't you ever let the enemy tell you otherwise, you're a good daddy. You don't mess with a guy, that'll mess him. All of a sudden, he'll act so strong, but on the inside, he'll be like, oh. You'll melt him like ice cream in July, baby. Because he don't get told that. 
And he knows he struggles with it every single day. Is he enough? And I'm saying, so here's what I want you to do before I dismiss you, or when I dismiss you, I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to dismiss you. I want you to give me your word right now that before you leave those seats, you look around and you see a guy that looks like a dad. And how would you know that? He's not cool looking, okay? That would give you one indication right there. We just don't, we're past it. We don't care anymore. <laughs> Number two, if he's young, he might look still look trendy, so you might have to figure it out. But find somebody that's a dad. And if they're not, it's not going to hurt their feelings by just saying, hey, look, you know what? You're a good daddy. They say, well, I'm not a dad. Well, one day you will be. And you're going to be a great dad. I want you to promise me you will tell somebody that before you leave here today. Encourage every man in here that's a daddy or going to be a daddy. Just do that for me, please. I know I ask sometimes you guys to do something. Sometimes you look at me like a cow at a new gate. And you think, I don't. That's not my personality. I don't want to say anything. I'm so nervous. My palms are sweating. Just please, for, that, for, for Pastor Jody today, just do it for me. Please. It would help some dads in here so much. So before you go today, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down front. They will be down here if you need prayer for anything as they make their way down here. Um, I'm going to dismiss you with a couple of thoughts here. Uh, number one, um, as you're giving to the church and giving to the Lord through our church, uh, there's giving options on the screen for you. And as you give into the Lord, this is something I teach my kids. You know, my oldest, I learned this from my uncle. He taught me about tithing. I taught my, my oldest. You know, when she started reading about, who's FICA? <laughs> who's that on my check, Dad? Uh, well, that's your government, okay? That just paid for the road or whatever you got. or whatever. Lord knows what else. Test the mosquitoes or who knows what else. But if we're going to give FICA their part, I'm, if i got to give FICA that, I definitely need the Lord to bless the rest of it. You know? So I gladly give of the tenth. And I taught her, this is what you do, honey. That first check looks rough, don't it? Yeah. But she gives her tenth to the Lord. Because her daddy taught her that. Because my daddy taught me that. I learned from my uncle, but he, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Pass it on to your kids. So number six, before we go, let me speak this over your life. And you're going to tell every dad in this room, he's a good dad, right? That was so weak. Come on, man. Strength and courage, right? What is, come on. Let me hear one time. You're going to tell every dad in here, he's a great dad, right? Man, you got to have some, sometimes, I love y'all, but sometimes you got to respond with some gumption about you, Right? I'm not even Cajun, but that's a word for Cajuns that you use. Gumption. Man. You're, you're going to encourage every dad today, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm not even a football coach. You get me fired up, okay? That's Ronnie's job. Number six. Let me say this over before you go, right? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up its countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. In Jesus' name, go encourage some dads here this morning. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.